are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make it go, whoa! I am so excited because this is the first episode of 2020. Welcome to the new decade. We made it to 2020. How about that? <laughs> Can't believe it. Michael Dees, what is up, man? Not How much, are man. you? man. Nice and relaxed after a long break. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I know, you guys, you guys we, uh, we just had Thanksgiving break. Right, right. Uh, so for everybody who's listening, today is actually December 1st. But this goes out on January 7th, episode 87, season three. I'm like juiced, man. I'm ready to go. It's so exciting, man. So, like, so I mean, 2020, new year, new goals. What's on your mind now is like as we're getting ready for this year. Right. So, as right now, like in, in real time, December 1st, it's like get get done with the end of the year, right? Make all your last minute plans for how you're going to close out this year. And then once Gators we, beat the Knolls. The Gators last beat the Knolls last night. So, everybody's feeling real good. <laughs> we're um, recording this on a Sunday. Uh, yeah. That's how dedicated we are, you guys. <laughs> we're recording this on a Sunday to make this episode happen. Happen. Yeah, but yeah, it, like we'll, we'll get into 2020, and actually, when this episode drops, will be the first day of classes in January. So it'll be a really busy day at the dealership. Um, a, lot of, a lot of sales, new new uh, customers coming in for the new semester, and everything like that. So it's it's go time. It's time to start the year strong, and uh, you know, get things kicked don't, off. Don't look back. Let's, yeah. let's go. A whole new decade, man. 2020. Who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, we thought we would have thought cars were flying and stuff by now, for sure. <laughs> So, well, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and introduce to you our guest of the day. Today on the show, we have Steve Noodleberg, an author, expert sales trainer, biz dev expert, keynote speaker, and serial entrepreneur. He wrote this incredible book called The Confessions of a Serial Salesman, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders that Will Change Your Life and Business. And with him, his two sons, Mark and Jake, I can't even read my own handwriting, Mark and Jake Noodleberg. Guys, welcome to the show. Show. What a thrill, man! Thank this you is for cool. having us. This is neat. Yeah, this yeah is really glad neat. to be here. I mean, welcome on a Sunday, I mean, as you said. On a Sunday, you know, it's funny because I was like skimming through the book because I haven't. I'm going to be completely honest. I've read the first four chapters of the book. I was like, I'm going to try to squeeze this in over Thanksgiving break, and no, I had had the family time, and but I'm excited to get into it because I can tell like so much of it is going to resonate with me. But I was skimming through, and I saw that hey, the grind includes Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, you know, for years, uh, the companies I've owned, the companies I've worked with, everybody would walk around on Friday afternoon going, wow, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Right. And to me, that means you basically quit and you were thinking about happy hour. So if you weren't going to work on Fridays and you come in on Mondays and you're hungover from the weekend and you wouldn't work Monday, when are you going to work? So we created a club called it TGIS, the grind includes Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Doesn't mean you need to work full time, but when you're an entrepreneur to think that you can let go of the wheel of the car on Friday afternoon and not drive again until Monday is ridiculous. So stay focused, stay in it. And what you'll find is the busiest and most successful people are doing a little bit of work on the weekends. And I speak to specific examples of where CEOs want to speak and engage on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, because it's the only time that they are not cluttered. So it really works. It's That's not cool. just well, hocus pocus. So. And talking about football, you know, the Florida Gators and Florida State yesterday, but football in, in that world, the game happens on Saturday and that's when everybody's watching and that's what everybody cares about. But the work goes 
goes Sunday to Friday. You're there prepping. As soon as the game's over on Saturday, you're breaking it down. You're looking at what you did well, what you didn't do well. Then you're going into you know your new opponent and figuring out how you're going to attack them, putting the plan together so that you can practice Monday through Thursday, clean it up on Friday and play again on Saturday. So there is no break. You know, right. it, it, it includes every day. So. Right, so, so talk to me a little bit about the the holiday because we just had Thanksgiving. Like, you you came to game. Who's in game? So so I um, I went to school here a right. um, hundred years ago. <laughs> um, my son Mark actually coached here in 2015 with uh, when Coach McElwain was here. And Jake is a senior. He works for um, as a student assistant for the football team handling the running backs. And what I find fascinating is the time that we spend together. The conversations between business and sports are. So so aligned, oh, you know, so, you know, we, we have these great conversations about discipline, about planning, about execution, and all of the words are the same. It's just these guys play on Saturday and we play every day. So, you know, uh, Jake's living in Gainesville, will stay in Gainesville another year at least. Um, and so it's great for me because I love coming back. Um, being a Gator fan is is fun again. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, wasn't for a couple of years, but in the early years, Mark went to Florida State and I thought I would never be a Florida State fan but what you come to find out is that wherever the blood is that's where uh, where the support goes so. <laughs> yeah. uh, I hope my kids don't go to Florida State yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came home and he no, said no. I got good news I got bad news it's so you know being an old you know and then coaching here in 2015 like everybody who I went to school with looked at me like I was the antichrist like are you kidding how could you go there and I was like guys it's a paycheck like in <laughs> coaching work. you don't get to choose where the job is and why would I not want to go coach in the SEC and be a part of the Florida Gators that you know we we had so many tough battles with early on at Florida State when I was there um so like having then moved here and lived here I, there was so much so much love for Gainesville and the University of Florida and and the team and the SEC and everything like that it was just it was so endearing to me after working here I was so glad that my brother had the opportunity to come here to work for them because you know he grew up in Knoll like I was a Knoll you know and he grew up <laughs> loving Florida State so for us to have the appreciation for both schools and both places to not have that hated you know rivalry to really understand both places and what's good it's it's a really cool it's a really cool experience that's awesome I, th I think one of the other takeaways, which is kind of cool, is you realize that life and business and sports is all cyclical. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, there was a time when he was coaching the Knowles. Well, that was Tebow time here. So he coached against Tebow and that team was unbeatable. You know, they, the, the, the achievements that they had. And so every time coming in to play them was a separate set of challenges. Well, now those roles are completely reversed. And obviously Florida State is having their challenges, but it comes around. They'll bring in a new guy, a new system. And before you know it they'll be competing again it's just you really the lesson is you need to learn to take the good with the bad in everything you do in all of the bad there are great lessons there isn't one great salesperson great entrepreneur or great athlete that i've ever met that didn't have some really bad story like holy shit this really happened to me and instead of laying around blaming people i did something about it and i took a great lesson and so i think florida state's learning a lot of lessons about what it's like to be at the bottom and the gators should be humble about being you know in in a good spot you agree yeah you know. and i think they are yeah i don't know it's, it's so much fun. it is interesting that you bring up the cyclical part of it because it is true and and at least in my i mean i've been a gator fan my entire life and, and you go through those you know haven't missed a home game since when 2003 oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Good for you, man. wow 
but but you see those teams like Alabama. There should be an award for that or something. <laughs> Somebody there probably is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what that? They should name something after me. Well, maybe. But, but like it's cyclical for us. But there seems to be like some teams out there like right now Clemson and they, they've had a good run. But Alabama, um, Ohio State, they seem almost impervious to those those cyclical nature. So what what about those in your process? Well, when you know, first of all, Nick system. Saban was a client of mine during you know and had a sports marketing company. He was the head coach of the Dolphins, and when he took over Alabama, they were terrible. Right. I mean, his first year was bad. Jimmy Johnson took over the Cowboys. They were really, really bad. So, you know, understanding that it can change and what what changes his mindset, you know, how you look at yourself and how you believe yourself. You know, when you go to Alabama, you know, Nick's not interested about like what you think. Here's how we do it here. And you wear that A and there's that means something that is discipline and work ethic and all the camaraderie that didn't happen before. So you, you might want to comment on this, Mr. Jake. Yeah, I think the interesting part is and really Mullen when he came in, the if you look at Florida State and Florida, the talent was very similar. Florida State was coming off top five recruiting classes, better recruiting classes than Florida. One thing that he did that Willie Taggart didn't do was instill a mindset. Right. I mean, the difference of the team that we had in 2015 and 16 and 17 to what we have now is completely different. It's the same players, the same talent, but they think completely differently. We walk into every game thinking we are going to win because we are the Florida Gators and you're not. And I think that's what Ohio State does. Alabama does. They don't ever walk into a game saying we're not going to win. We are better than you. We work harder or smarter. We prepared better. And that's why we win and we will continue to win. The, the preparation is is what Unreal, right? is what's different. Like it's great to come in and say we're the Gators and we're just going to beat you because we're the Gators. But what you have to do between Sunday and Friday to really build the belief in your mind that you've prepared differently than everybody else and you are more prepared for every single scenario and you know that you're the better team. That's what Nick Saban does unbelievably well. Like I was with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. We were bad, right? We 31 nothing Wake Forest beat us on our home field before he got brought in. That was rock bottom for that program at that time, right? He changed the way everybody thought because of how we practiced. What we did in January, what we did in February was different than anything that they had done previously and it created the mentality that we work harder than you year round not just during the season but all the time so whatever your system is you have to have a process that makes people believe that they're ready prepared and willing and and ready to go beat anybody at any time and that's what Nick Saban has done unbelievable and same thing with with Clemson and Dabo Sweeney like yeah they're getting great players but those guys are prepared and believe in what they're doing there. And that's the difference. So, you know, when you see great talent, talent alone doesn't is not enough. And, and these guys who recruit all the time see kids with great talent, no work ethic. I'll take a kid whose attitude and work ethic is unbelievable right. and train him to be a superior performer rather than somebody who has all the raw talent and then doesn't, you know, doesn't bring the work ethic. So when you take that whole conversation and move it into an entrepreneur or a sales conversation, 
you know, most of the people, and we call this in, in our trainings, we call it show up and throw up. <laughs> Tomorrow morning's Monday morning, boom, they're gonna be most of the sales population. He's gonna come in, they haven't thought about anything for a week, they've had all kinds of excuses and whatever, and they're gonna just show up and expect something to happen. The winners are the ones who have a steady game plan that the day is already programmed about what they're gonna do, who they're gonna do it with, when they're gonna do it, and you find in coaching, that's how it is. Your day is so structured. Business people don't have a straw. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's only 20 working days. What do you mean 20 working days? It's 30 <laughs> days in every month. You know, so It's fun. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because even in this conversation last night, I mean, I was watching it on TV because I didn't go to the game, <laughs> but, uh, but they were talking a lot about development. Right, and like how that developmental piece was, it was really, really missing from Florida State right now, and they need to really get that back, right? And I think that, I mean, it's funny because you're right, all of this can relate to business, the same thing, whether it's the structure, the processes, the development of key players, I mean, it's all (laughs) extremely relevant, and, I, don't, I mean, that's what I love about the show too, is that because we've had we've had football players on the show. Sure, we had, we had Amat Black on here, which that was super interesting to get into. I mean, yep. yeah, I mean, we've had I mean several, and it's just a, a ton of fun to. So have it's this interesting the way those guys treat themselves, what they eat, how they sleep, their whole you know being is different than people who are average performers who do things that are not conducive to winning. So it's, you know, when you match them up and you see a lot of great athletes writing books now, you know, you see a lot of great coaches writing books because it's all a leave behind. You know, my book was a process that I developed years ago for me because people say, wow, man, you're really a great salesperson. You, you know, you must have been born into this, you know, and this, that's complete bullshit. That is, <laughs> has, is, it is all about how you think about what you do, how you treat yourself. And so I built the 27 rules to have some guiding principles and the validation for me was I taught it to my boys. I said, dude, this is how we show up. There are no excuses. There are, you know, first rule of the book is wake up early. Early is nebulous to people. What does that mean? You know, somebody's working all night long, you know, 12 hours from 12 to, you know, it doesn't matter. But you said, but yours says like, you said three to four. So I wake up between three and four every day. I have like for, every day, every day, every day. Every day. I mean, like so, today, like today. <laughs> and you watched the game last night and you were out, the, yeah, this, we were out at the totally, swamp restaurant, yeah, you so said. It's and, training. I don't, haven't used an alarm clock in forever. And I don't do it to like say, look at me. I wake up at three o'clock. If you want more, you have to do more. And so most people, People just aren't programmed. They go, oh, I don't have time, which is another thing. It's like, seriously, we all have the same time. There's 86,400 seconds in every day. You have the same amount of time I have. I choose to use mine differently. So my bank of seconds is more efficient than yours. And if you look at great coaches, they manage the clock better. You know? okay, so, that's true. Okay. So it's that's the same good, thing. There's only point. 60 minutes in a game. All right, so Steve, well, do you, do you, what time do you go to bed? So this is the number one asked question at my uh, seminar. I don't want it, and, and I don't want this to be like a, a podcast that it could be like any other podcast. But uh, no, it's the number one question across the board at every sales meeting. Everything like they go, like hey, I read your bed? book, and what time do you go to bed? I go to bed when I'm tired. So I, you know, I don't look at it. Oh, it's eight o'clock or nine o'clock or ten o'clock that I have to go to bed. So for me, generally speaking, after nine thirty, nothing great's going on. So I go nine to three to uh, sleep, and that's a 
solid six hours, which is much more than most people get or want. Or so you, you guys know. Oh, hold seen on. Me? So as me being a morning person, mm-hmm. not being a morning, is me not being a morning person a mindset thing? So you've told yourself you're not a morning person. Most people will tell you, I'm not an artist. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not. And if you drill yourself with what you're not, it's self-fulfilling. Yep, you're not. The minute you say, I am going to be the best at this, it's all learning. And then you can practice to get better at it. And all of a sudden, you're a morning person. I don't like to get up early. I work out every day at six o'clock in the morning. There's not one morning that I like getting up. Like, I just don't give myself the option. Like once the alarm goes off, I have to get up because if I don't get up, then I can't get to the gym. If I don't get to the gym, then I don't feel right for the rest of the day. There's just no, I just told myself there's no other option. This is it. And I do it. And and what you'll find is that the real um, success comes from being uncomfortable putting yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable. The best workouts that athletes have is when they don't feel like doing it. Oh, I don't, and I'm hurt, whatever. They get out there and the adrenaline and everything pushes them to a place that they wouldn't have gotten, you know, when it's, oh, I can do this. And, you know, so for me, the morning hours, there's nothing inbound. At three o'clock, nobody's emailing me, nobody's calling, texting, uh, social media is quiet, you know, so I can achieve a lot between three and 5.30 in the morning that I could never do in any other time because we live in a world that's distracted. And if you listen to guys like Gary Vee and some of the people who are real social media influencers, it's all about attention. Well, I don't want you to break my attention from three to five. I want to drill all my good thinking. And I look at it like the ocean. I'm putting everything out there. Then I go about my day. And at the end of the day, it all comes back to me just like the waves. And that's, it's all about rhythm. Do I have to wake up early to be successful? <laughs> you do not. That is yeah. a fallacy. You you need to build your clock that's genuinely you. So if you legitimately don't want to get up in the morning, don't. I never tell anybody what to do. I never trained anybody, never worked or coached anybody and said, this is absolutely what you do. You need to make a decision what you want and what you need to do to get there. That's strategy versus tactics. Most people don't have a strategy. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to achieve. I know what has to go in to do that. Okay. So Jake, are you a morning person too? Uh, I wake up every day at 6.30. 6.30. So I went okay. out last night to celebrate the win, obviously. Okay. I probably went to bed at 2.30, and I was up before him at 6.30. So okay. throw that out there because I'm a little bit better. But who was up? Who was up at 3 o'clock? Who was up when I got up? He was already up yeah. on the computer working okay. every day. Okay. So <laughs> last year this time, <laughs> beginning of the new year and this happens right like everybody has these new resolutions mm-hmm. goals like I'm gonna wake up at 4am and I'll, t- I'll tell you I did it for the first quarter I was up at 4am and I did it but I could not sustain it I could not keep it going because what I found out was that by I was doing that and by Thursday and Friday I, like I was getting to Friday and I was just I was zonked man I was just, I had too weak not enough energy and so is it me not you know staying disciplined because I know that that's a huge thing that's talked about in here right being disciplined is it not being disciplined through that long enough to like build up that new routine and that new habit or like what is 
what can I do? Well, so um, if you look at January 1st, uh, which is where January 7th, when we're, we're going to post this, um, the gym memberships are off the chart. Everybody, right. I'm going to the gym. This is the new me. Right. Everybody's the new me. Well, sorry, buddy. It's always you. <laughs> it's never new or old. It's always you. So when you did it for a quarter, that's fantastic. The hard part is bridging consistency. Right. You know, discipline is great, but disciplined and done. So small things don't over a long period of time. So maybe it's not, you know, early, maybe it's not 5.30, maybe it's six o'clock. Maybe that extra half hour is better for you. And it's all, a, a, you know, a litmus test to say, what works for me? What am I eating to, to stay active and, you know, mindset? What am I reading? What am I putting in my body, in my mind? What am I feeding myself to stay motivated and focused on the goal? Because you wound up focusing on the hurt and the pain. Every single athlete, every single entrepreneur knows pain, how to get through that pain. So if I want you to visualize this, if you can, if we were gonna climb a mountain, right? Getting to the middle of the mountain is, is much easier than getting from the middle to the top. You're gonna need to do more, change the territory, the terrain changes, it's different weather. So you got out of the gate and you did what most people consider, all right, I did that. But then you look back and you go, ah, well, breaking through that next part and doing the second quarter probably would have changed your whole life because then, you know, there's more. And so it's little changes. So whatever it was, I don't know if you said, I'm going to wake up at four every day. That's extreme. Maybe it's five, maybe it's 5.30 and incrementally making changes, I think. I just like to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I love that. Sleep is overrated. That's, that's, my girl, that's my girlfriend, Gabby. Like, she just loves to sleep. Like, it's not that she's not a morning person. She just loves to sleep. Like, it takes her longer to get out of bed. And, and so, like, we are direct opposites because even if I say I'm going to sleep in at seven o'clock, I'm like moving, you know? So I, I, even if I want to sleep in, I'm already like up and starting to toss and turn. And so now I'm like nudging her like, Hey, let's get out of bed. Let's go do something. Let's work out, whatever. And I think about it as like, I work out every day, but I don't do the same thing every day. So for me, you can't work out the same muscle every single day because you'll never get the growth. So for me, it's about I have to get up to do something. It might just be walking one day. I'll get on the treadmill, put on an incline and just walk for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's not an extreme workout. But to me, I got up, I got something done and now I'm on my way to whatever else it is. I just so I think for me, it's discipline, but it's discipline within a, a framework of I know I just need to do something. What is that something? You know what I mean? And finding how that works for you. So like my dad said, you know, maybe adjusting the time and just choosing to get up earlier than you'd want to get up right. helps that helps so, achieve that. So Mike, mm -hmm. you kind of made this transition the opposite of what I did, where I like did what everybody else does. Start started the new year off strong. Did woke up early for right. at four a.m. for the first quarter, and then fell off. You know, like you. I have when, to. When I you, have to shock the system, otherwise yeah. I won't do it. Like like I've done the thing where it's like you know you got to do the incremental baby steps and stuff, and and I'll I'll get I'll get undisciplined that way. I have to shock the system and, and it be so radical that it makes me commit to the change. Um, so but I don't, I there 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 were nights where we were here till what like eleven o'clock at night, mm -hmm. and then you were still getting up yeah. at five yeah, o'clock so, in the morning. Yeah, my, my alarm goes off at four thirty, and I hit the gym at six. There you go. Every every day. So I think yeah. one of the other things that is um, people don't think about, but great athletes have coaches, they have accountability 
you know, people that they're accountable to. So LeBron is the best, but LeBron is a coach, he's a shooting coach, uh, somebody that helps him manage the activities to get to where he is. And so if you were to have an accountability coach, you know, that's not a weakness, that's a strength. I have somebody who is paying attention to my activities because it's all activity-based. Your activities and your outputs, boom, get you the input that you want. So when someone's managing that with you, becomes significantly different than doing it on your own because it's easy to bail on your own. There are 60,000 negative thoughts that go through the brain every day. So you're fighting this, oh, go on, you know, that's, you know, like people who go on a diet, they know eating a donut is bad. You know what I mean? It's, that, that's not new news to somebody, but that negative side is, oh, come on, one donut, it's not really gonna hurt, you're gonna live forever. You know? So what you went through is what everybody goes through, the plan and the, the, you know, what you put together to get over it, everybody has to face. And when you get over it, and then the, the results start to feed itself. And that's mindset. That's what's happening for the Gators now. You know, like last year at this time, they were probably going, oh, we got to practice still. I'm, uh, you know, now they're fired up. What are we doing? How are we doing it? You know, because it's all about we could do more. We can get there. We, you know, something big is going to happen. And here's the thing. No matter what you do in your life, nothing happens without the work. It just doesn't. You know, it's the best part about, you know, all the advice that's being out there. And if you go on LinkedIn and you go on any of these social media sites, everybody's a coach. Everybody, I'm a life coach. I'm a money coach. I'm a, you know, find somebody who does it that you admire and get on board with them. You know, so for me, my pitch in the marketplace is that I'm a, I'm a guy that's working every day, building new businesses. It's all about mindset for me. If you want to learn from my mindset, I can help you, but you would never get in the car with somebody who doesn't, who's never driven before, you know, yet there are people who, you know, hire trainers and coaches who have never actually had big sales. So that's why I love about, you know, these guys played, they understand what it's like, and then they get in there and they may not have been able to play at the level of the people that they coach, but they're that outside eyes. They're like, hey, make this move, do this. And then every day watch them doing it and then they get the results and it's where the hugs and the, yeah. the good stuff is. You, know, you talked about how you did it for a, you know, a quarter and a quarter isn't a very long time, obviously, you know, so. If Thanks you for reminding me. Did I tell you Did I tell you that they're ball busters yeah, too? Yeah. <laughs> to create real habits, you have to do it for a prolonged time. And you look, last year we lost to Georgia in his first year in a tough loss and the team responded. We came in on Monday and had our worst week of practice and got blown off the field by Missouri at home. You look at this year, it was the exact same thing. Lost a tough one to Georgia, but we came back this year and had the best week of practice and we beat Vanderbilt by 40, right? That took a year to change a mindset. It, wasn't, it didn't happen in two weeks. He couldn't get it done in the six months that he was here. It took him almost two years to finally change the mindset and change habits, which I think is a, you know, a testament that you have to keep going and bust through the wall. It's not gonna happen overnight. And, and if you had somebody cheering you on or breaking your eggs about it, that uh, makes This is where difference. it goes back to being my fault. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, how have you, how, hold on, how, how have you been able to stay so disciplined in it? Accountability is huge. So, um, 
I mean, actually, shout out to Casey Henshaw, who's the director of uh, catering at Sweetwater Branch, and she's my accountability partner at the gym. If I don't Perfect. wake up, there you go. Then I feel like I'm letting her down. Yeah, right. she's going with me. Yeah, just that simple. You know, so it, yeah. it helps. You know, if those moments of weakness where it's like you don't want to let her down. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to let. Oh, she's standing there going, "Wow, he let me down." If, so human nature puts you in that. If place. the alarm goes off and, and she's not going, then I sit there and you know I'm weighing the decision of, oh, well, I don't, I don't really have to. Because exactly. She's not going. Some of us you know? don't want to let our warm covers. <laughs> <laughs> and the longer the longer you lay there, the harder it gets. Like I know for me, I have to get to the sink to brush my teeth as fast as possible because that will keep me up. And I'm now I'm I'm in it. Yeah, the longer I lay news. there and contemplate, yeah. ah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that that mental that mental your brain gets real strong real You're quick. Your feet have a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you you start to listen to your body and know what your body wants and what your body needs. I know for me that little endorphin kick in the morning is significant to me even if it's not my best workout I go and I do it and the fact that I did it and I got the blood flowing it always brings a better mindset and I'm a big believer in the laws of attraction what you think about come to you and when you change your thoughts that's where the you know the good stuff happens instead of thinking oh I'm not gonna do oh I'm gonna do this and so it, it, it really is a function of all of the things that are happening in your process what you know how you develop yourself and you know to me I read every day I don't read books cover to cover. I jump in and I jump out. My book was meant to be that way. You can read yeah, a chapter and be done. You know, and there's lined paper, you know, after each rule. So you can concentrate on a rule for a month. Right. You know, so it's, you know, when I, when we decided to write the book and it really was sort of a fun experience doing that, but we wrote it, we published it. I got some advice that said, uh, you should make it a paperback book and sell it for $9.99. And I said, hmm, I'm a sales and marketing guy my whole career. The first time someone is gonna come and interact with my brand, it's gonna be significant. It's not gonna be a pamphlet. It's gonna be hardcover, it's gonna be real. And I'm gonna sell the book for $27. And the girl looked at me and says, you've never published a book before. You're never gonna be able to sell it for $27. And I said, I'll tell you what, there's 27 rules. If someone's not willing to pay me a dollar a rule, don't buy my book. I was willing, I didn't care if no, if anybody bought it and we sold thousands of books because if you can't squeeze $27 worth of value out of what I gave you, don't do it. That's all, it's plenty of books to buy, you know? So, and we've sold thousands and it's the stories and the things I get, um, I was showing them yesterday. I got, had somebody from the Indianapolis Colts, one of their salespeople. Yeah, I saw that. Ah, that's that cool. Uh, like out of nowhere, that lands on my LinkedIn awesome. and says, you know, wow, I bought your book, somebody recommended it, and in four months, I'm already seeing great success at the start of my career. There isn't enough zeros in the world that could be better than that. And and that's, I think, legitimate in all of this stuff is what do you really want? What's in well, it for so, you? So do you so, guys live by these 27 rules? So or yeah. how many of the 27 rules? <laughs> yeah. You know, this could get funky right here. <laughs> uh, I'm always trying to push the envelope around here. <laughs> kind of made it sound like he shared the rule with us. The rule yeah. was like, no, like it was mandatory. There was no option for us growing up. Like, it's like, so, listen, I put out this book. I need my boys to live I just, up to these 27 rules. This year, I transitioned out of football coaching into the business world. I work at ESPN now um, in, in, in West Palm Beach and I'm in sales. Like, that's my job. So yes, I was trained by him from like the time I was five years old on how to do it. But what I really struggled with was in coaching, 
I had my process. I had every day to a second scheduled on what I was going to be doing and how I was going to be doing it. They don't give you that when you get a job in the real world. Or, you know, and I consider that the real world. Football's not the real world. <laughs> we live in our own world doing our own thing and not the real world. Like when you go into corporate America, they're not giving you a, a detailed structure on your day on what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. The book helps with that. And I think that's what my dad does really well is now that I've been able to be around a lot of his training and get a lot of his training is especially for salespeople. He teaches people how to structure your day and schedule it so that you know how to be efficient and what to do. Because you can be the most disciplined person in the world. If you don't know what to discipline yourself to do or how to do it, it's a waste. You don't know what you're lost. So for me to find my process of when I prospect, how I prospect, when I reach out to people, you know, what my new business outreach is and what it looks like and what it sounds like and all of that kind of stuff and putting it together into a daily schedule. Now, my, my blocking of my schedule starts at six o'clock in the morning with workout, period. It's not, I don't put, and that's work, on a schedule is. that is but written down on as my an calendar. activity. Right? On my calendar from six to seven every day, it says workout. So every day at 545, I know I get the alert from my calendar, you know, time to work out. And then seven to eight is blocked out for something else, you know, get ready, breakfast, whatever. Eight to nine is blocked out with read an article, you know, answer emails, do whatever, you know, research, whatever it is that I need to do. But I have it so that I'm not thinking about on Sunday when I get to work on Monday, what do, what do I have to do today? It's already there. It's already on my schedule. So I'm getting the alert. Okay, time to transition to this. Time to transition to that. And sometimes if it goes over, I know I'm eating into something else that's happening, but it needs to be done. Then I'm you know, doing I, I think it's really significant to say that these are rules that I've had for 40 years. I just wrote the book two years ago right. at the urging of some of the people that when I'm in front of the audience, they go, this is unbelievable. You got to write a book. You got to put this in a book. And so my presentation is called Rules of Engagement. Every single uh, walk of life, the, if you want to be the best, you have to have rules of engagement. Navy SEALs are the highest trained human beings on the planet. They have rules of engagement. This is standard operating procedure that I think when you define that, and so by at five years old, both of these guys had standing operating procedure that said, here's how you can gauge yourself. Here's where you could know what you do well, what you don't do well, where you could get better. Um, it has a bent on being sales, but it's really life. I mean, I speak to all different kinds of groups. Um, you know, I, I'm really passionate about entrepreneurism. So um, I, I speak to a junior achievement. I speak to the kids and coach the kids all the time. And it's that system that they're so drawn to because they're like, wow, it's such a big ocean out there. How how am I going to tackle the ocean? You tackle the ocean one stroke at a time, you know? So it's, um, this does that breaks it down very simply. And what I've done is I put real stories in there about how I learned the lessons. You know, I learned getting up early from at that time, the CEO of the Florida Panthers, Michael Yormark, great friend of mine now is the president of Jay-Z's organization, rock nation, you know, highly, um, you know, successful human being. And, and his emails would land in my in-mail, in you know, early, early. And I would wake up and be the first one there. And I was like, dude, is, are you just getting in? Or you're like, what, what's the story with you? And he goes, listen, if I wake up 
what time do you wake up? And we had this conversation. If I wake up two hours earlier than you, well, do the math, man. I'm outworking you 40 hours. I have an extra week, a month, that I'm outworking you. And really what it comes down to is the work. Both of these guys, when they got to a place to do something, they did it and they did more than they were asked to do and blew people's minds. They go, what, the, what, what, what is it with these guys? Look at what they're doing. That's what people, it shouldn't be the, you know, the outlier. It should be the norm, but it's not. Do the work. Do 10% more than someone asks you to do and watch what happens if you do that every day. So, I mean, that's happening to you now. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I'm obviously, you know, a senior here and I'm surrounded by kids who are trying to find jobs now and they're worrying about money and parents are calling them saying, what are you doing? When are you getting a job? Like, what's your plan? And they look at me and they go, how are you working four years for free? They're like, you have to get paid, right? I go, I don't, I don't get a, a penny from the team. They go, well, why? I go, experience, work ethic, connections, the gear and the, you know, and the traveling is also <laughs> They have fun. great gear. But, <laughs> but kids don't have the mentality that they need to work for it. Most of them think they're going to come out of school and get a $100,000 job or a $200,000 job and everything is going to be fine. I at least learned and continue to learn for free. And I think the education part and the willing to work for free, he talks about it all the time, is important in learning, you know, and from the book standpoint, like we're a walking testament for the book. He six months ago picked up his life and decided to completely change it, get out of football, get into sales, and he's obviously doing pretty well at it. So I think we're a living testament and that the book works and the rules are real. And to me, the understanding that nothing is free right? Nothing, nothing that you want is free. Like even if somebody gives you something, it's not free. There's an opportunity cost to taking that and not taking something else. So the understanding of that, whatever you want costs something, you have to decide what you're willing to give up. I gave up a lot to be a football coach. I gave up deciding where I wanted to live. I gave up free personal time. Like you work 80 hours a week, every single week. Crazy. You're traveling all the time. There was no holidays. Like we came up here for, for Thanksgiving because he doesn't get a break. They're practicing on Thanksgiving. So on that day, that morning, you, morning, you have to decide what, if you really want something, what are you willing to give up to have that? Oh, I love hearing you say that. If, because that's how I drilled them, as I said. Because then it's not work. Then it's passion. Then it's, you know, it really changes the rules. I'm not, I was not a great student. Like, I just wasn't. Like, school for me, as soon as I got involved as a student assistant coach at Florida State and started realizing that, like, I could choose to go to class and spend time in my economics classes or I could spend another four hours in the office sitting with Jimbo, learning the offense and being around guys and be there to do something else that he asked me to do. That was the opportunity cost for me. I wasn't going to be a great student. I would do what I need to to get it done. I knew that I had a passion for football. That's where I wanted to spend all my time. So I started giving up everything else to spend all my time there. I don't suggest everybody do that. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> because people poo-poo that. They, oh, you got to finish school and you got to do I didn't. I said, do what you love and the money will follow. Always. That is an absolute rule of the universe that if you're doing what you love, the money will show up. And we've been trained the reverse way. Go find a $100,000 you know, job that in three years, you're going to be miserable, burnt out. You hate it. You hate life. That's no way to live. you know. And so if you really decide what you're you're passionate about and the best part about having the conversation with you guys is you're figuring it out on the fly. 
boom, something lands on your windshield and we go, that looks cool, man. We know that we, we could do that. And you can change like that. That was never the way I was trained. I always said, go to school, get a job, get married, buy a house, do all of this shit that was like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. What, what, how did that, you know, but that was, you know, and Gary V is awesome at, at telling younger people, maybe to a fault. I mean, there was a 16 year old kid that was on video yeah. recently. He said, yeah, quit school, man. So, you know, but fundamentally, some of the biggest innovation is coming from people who are not living inside the box. They're making their own rules. And social media has done that. Shows like this, providing value to people at scale. This was never done before. You would have had to go on TV and pay a lot of money. And, you know, the, the less production you put into something, the more value it brings to people. So I'm fascinated by the change in five years. I can't imagine you talk about 2020. Well, 2020 is perfect vision. Let's see what, how vision changes, you know, this coming year. Let's see, you know, how, you know, when you see clearly, what do you see? Because I don't, I don't see anything that's bound anymore. This it's boundless. Anything, um, you know, just getting in an Uber, you know, five or six years ago, it was like, what are you talking about? What's an Uber? You know, now you don't even think twice about, you know, doing that, taking a scooter, doing, you know, it, all of these things, the innovation is happening so fast. And you talk about the school here and the, the brain power. I mean, Florida's a really good school. The people that they're attracting, it's hard to get in. I mean, he got the job at the football school um, at the football program, and they said, as long as you get in, you have the job. They had no control over because it's very highly, you know, uh, you know, monitored. Well, th- what's happening with those kids is so influential because they're not bound by the rules of my world. My world, like you know, the CEO's like, why would people care that I'm, you know, sitting and doing a podcast with this guy? Why would they? <laughs> why would they care what I'm eating for lunch? Well, you know what? People care because I'm marketing that restaurant better than the restaurant. Can market it themselves. Wow, it's unbelievable. So, you know, when someone stops me on a plane or in an airport and go, you're the guy who wrote that book. What other world does that happen? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's so much fun. And so for me, 2020 represents, you know, there are no rules, you know, so it's sort of the other side of my book. You have to have some rules on how to manage your life, but there's nothing you can't do. You could do anything you guys want. And I love the fact that you're not bound by like, well, we can't do that. We could do that. Anything you want, as long as you provide value, genuine and authentically, which you guys are doing. You guys are fun. I've listened to the shows. You're providing value to Gainesville that didn't exist before. What are you charging them for that? You're not. It's a war. Hey, we're giving it to you, and in return, you guys are stars, man. So it's cool. I don't know about you're obviously younger, so you see it differently than I do. Yeah, I mean, well, Facebook started when I went to school. You know, so like Facebook was for college students mm-hmm. and the things that I posted on Facebook when it first opened are not things I would post on Facebook <laughs> now, you know, like I look back and I'm like, ooh, I don't can't believe I put that on the internet, you know, because like, <laughs> it's still but, there. <laughs> but, but to understand social media and now to be in, in a, in a marketing world where I'm talking to companies about how to brand themselves, understanding that what your message is and where your message lives is incredibly important because 
it's not traditional anymore. No. Like magazines are great if they're a niche magazine, right? Or like if, if I've it's got supporting something, something else, or, right? Or if it's supporting something else, but like not a whole lot of people are just reading the newspaper anymore just to read it because they have it on their phone, right? They're getting notifications about news daily or they're scrolling through a feed. So understanding that you have to live in a place where everybody's attention is because it's all about attention, but then also have a real message. Be you. Be authentic. Put yourself out there. You're going to do business with people that like you because that's who do, that's who does business with you now. It's not like people who don't like you are banging down your door to do business with you. And you don't want to do business with them anyways. Right. So put out who you are. Let the world know it. And then the people that like you will find you and you'll do business with them. And to me, that that's the best kind of relationship that you can have is somebody that not only are you friends with and that you like, but that you can also help, you know, the best, probably the best story is how we landed up on your show through a mutual friend in social media, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, that you told, you told me that Earl? before we uh, recorded. Yeah, yeah Johnny okay, Earl. So, I mean, so Johnny Earl, for everybody who's listening, also Johnny Cupcakes, like, awesome. that's the story. I right. mean, such he's had such an impact on our business he's from amazing. a customer experience standpoint. Like, right. uh, I met him at one of the Ink Magazine. Con- yeah, yeah, I was Groco. at the same one in New Orleans. Uh, no. We went to Nashville. Nashville, like, Nashville 15, I'm sorry, right? 15, Nashville. Yeah. I was at that one in okay. Nashville. Yeah, okay. Unbelievable. Yeah, okay. Where all the country music guys played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was great. In the yeah, auditorium did you, there? did you speak yeah. at that or you were there? I was there. I was not, I did not speak okay. at it. Okay. I mean, so is that how you got to know him? Like, how did you get to know? Him? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, what was interesting? I was I was in Boston. I travel a bunch, and I actually went into his store thinking it was a pet food store. Like I was like a bakery kind of. <laughs> the whole thing blew my mind. I was like, okay, the, you know, whatever he's smoking, I want some of it. <laughs> it was the coolest innovation. Just looking at the store, and then I realized it was cool T-shirts. Yeah. And once you know, I got the opportunity to see him. I had already experienced the store, had already followed him, and so it was great. Our dialogue was great. When he comes to Palm Beach, I'm the first call. He calls me. We just That's go so cool. and just share ideas. There's no so, agenda. I mean, and talk about social media and. The power to connect with people, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, we met a like we met him at that conference, mm-hmm. um, and I actually actually I had met him at a conf- at another one before, which probably was New Orleans, but I was with Chad Paris at that time. Right. But anyway, um, but out of the blue, I mean, we had connected on LinkedIn and we engaged with each other a lot on LinkedIn, and he just randomly drops a message saying, "Hey, Colin. Hey, Steve. You both went to the University of Florida. I feel like you guys should know each Is other." That unbelievable? And, like, I mean, that was, and that was it. And I actually That's was great. like mind blown by the just the fact that he uh, had you on his radar. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I was on his radar, or he thought somehow that came across, across his That's mind of like, let me make this connection. And, and, and then from there, and then so from there, it was like, Hey Steve, what's up? Like, and, and, and then I started like following your content and just seeing what you're, I'm like, Hey dude, s- so if you're ever in Gainesville, I mean, I'm like, we have a podcast, but we have this like studio and it kind of requires <laughs> you to be here. Cause everybody's kind of like, well, can you right. Skype? And we're like, ah, we really don't. We don't, I don't right. do that for mine like, either. So right. yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a brand yeah, thing. And like, for sure. but, but if you're ever in Gainesville, would love to have you here. And they're like, dude, Thanksgiving week, I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why we're here on Sunday. I know, right, like, I'm like, right. messaging is, everybody, like, hey, can we like make this happen on a Sunday? But, like, you know, so the sure. interesting thing about that is that it is a connection economy. He didn't ask for anything. No, he wasn't looking for anything. He did it because it was there to do. And if you live that life in social media, I was a connector long before social media. I was that guy who read a book called The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell, which you, if you have not read 
it, you absolutely must, because it was written pre-social media, and this guy was talking about how the law of few turned out to be the law of many, and there's tons of great stories in there, but it basically validated to me that I could make a living just on my Rolodex. Now, I know a lot of your audience doesn't even know what a Rolodex (laughs) is, so... So, but, but I had already lived that mindset that when I would go in and speak to somebody, I would listen to what they were saying and go, Hey, you know what? You should meet these three people. Cause they're right up your alley. And they, and they were like, excuse, come again. Did you just introduce me to people that I could do business with? And I'm not working with you yet. Well, my you know, contention was that if you were going to work with somebody in my space, who would you do it with me over anybody else? Cause I've just put money in your pocket or giving you resources. So that connection economy is how I always lived. People say to me, you know, everybody I do because there's value in everybody not to sell them. I just want to know them. I want to know their story, who they are, what they did, how they did it. Why am I doing this? There's no, you know, I'm not getting anything for this other than I made, great friends with you guys. There's no doubt that whatever you need, you could call me and say, what do you think of this? And you know what? That's really good. That's what the connection economy is about. And I might have something land on my plate that has nothing to do with what's happening in this room, but it's because of what we did in this room. And that's just, you know, it's not heady. It's not crazy shit. It's real. It's Yeah. You know, yeah it's I mean, that's to me. And you can manage relationships at scale because of social media. Like, I don't post things to get likes. I post things so that even if somebody's just rolling through their feed, they see my name, they remember me. So like you're on people's radar just by being out there. I like sharing what I do. You know, I don't do it to brag. I don't, everybody's like, you know, a lot of people talk about social media as this, oh, well, you're just promoting. Yeah, I am promoting my life. I love my life. I wanna share my life with everybody out there because I want them to know that I love what I do. Period. But you also have some shit in your life that you're willing to share equally as well. Right. It's not like, a, and because you don't know, maybe right. somebody else is going through the same thing and they can help you with it. Like it, it's a place that you can just share and interact. And to me, being able to manage relationships at scale and just be able to shake people's hand every day by posting on, on the, on, on, on social media. How is that not valuable? Yeah, one of, the, one of the things I shared on social media way back was that, you know, I still have the same fears and doubts I had when I was in the shoe business. When I started as a kid working, selling ladies' shoes, I would always get to the point of sale, get the deal and go, all right, how am I, how am I gonna do this now? We, we won the business. Now there's just more zeros on every deal that I do, but I always have that, okay, there's two parts of every deal. You gotta get it and then you gotta execute it. You know, and executing is hard. So people go, wow, you always sound like you really know what you're doing. Well, I really don't. I'm, you know, <laughs> I take everything I can to make it work, but I have those same fears and people go, wow, you know, you just made me feel better about my fears. I go, guess what? All of us have fears and doubts. It's not going away. It's learning how to handle them. It's learning how to understand when that message comes across and go, I've been here before and I know it's going to be all right. I know I got through it every time. Focus on what to do, not don't get stuck in that place. And that's what happens to people. So when I hear him talk and I hear Jake talk, there's so much of just being around good quality people and good quality content that they put like just hearing him say, you know, allows you to manage relationships at scale in one click. I could tell everybody happy Thanksgiving and it's going to land in their email or their, you know, it's fascinating. You know, social media is just that way. So 
For sure. <laughs> I, like, I, this is something that I like to preach on and talk about all the time because social media is something that I've just been completely fascinated with and it's the way we've grown uh, our company. Like I, I showed you my Snapchat yeah, card before, you know, like great. focusing on using social media even as a social, uh, as a customer, customer service, service tool. platform, yeah. uh, a tool versus like, hey, let me shove my promotions down your throat. Well, so that, personal that's personal branding. Like, right. I get who you are through this. You know what I mean? Like I can infer a lot of things in my mind about what kind of dude you are and you know what you might know and what you might like based on just looking at this card and that's to me is so important about putting your your, your brand up so when you, you look at a guy like Johnny you know Johnny is uniquely Johnny, you know, Johnny Cupcake, he's uniquely him. He's going through an unbelievably great time in his life adopting a baby and, you know, he is so real. There's nothing fake about him at all, which makes him so much better when you go to his social media. You can follow all of that genuine and authenticness that if it wasn't that, it would be such a bummer, you know? So when you meet people, when they really are the person that you see online, it's like, wow, this is fascinating because there's so much of that Tinder mentality where, oh <laughs> shit, that's not who you are, man. Yeah. man. The fact that he just dropped the Tinder quote is mine. I didn't even know he knew that one. So. I thought he was talking about something else. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Johnny's built, and he's built such a brand for his business. Incredible. I mean, people are like tattooing. It's funny because yeah. people tattoo that logo yep. on their body. It's like, I mean, talk about a cult following. In fact, I, I did a talk one time where I referenced Johnny Cupcakes and the fact that people tattooed like uh, you know his logo on their body and I go I I don't know about you guys but I can't wait until people tattoo my logo and I like lifted my shirt and I had like one of these like temporary tattoos like NS4L like across my stomach that's awesome like did it at a talk it was was pretty funny funny. he's built such an incredible brand and and he's had lots of things that didn't work they were all part of the experiment and that's what's so great about him, he's not afraid to try stuff. He does pop up stores now. Yeah, he's done. I love that. You know, the store in L.A. was unbelievable. The grand opening was incredible, but it didn't work. Okay, man, it was fun. We did it. We tried it. Next, and he just continues to move on. He has an amazing consulting business because he's consulting brands in a way that they're not used to hearing language like that. Most consultants are trying to tell you what you want to hear. He's clearly not that. Man, he's like, this is the way it is. I don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> That's the the crazy thing for me transitioning out of football because and football and and track I think are the only two sports you can't lose. You can't like you have one finite window. You've got the hundred meter or you've got that four hour window of a game. You have to win. In business, you can lose. Like you can be sixty forty and be a billionaire. Had forty businesses fail and do terrible, but had sixty that did really well and be a billionaire. There's not a whole lot of places like that. That's 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 okay. You know, for me, I had this mentality when I got into like every person that I had to call on, I had to make the sale to because I have to win. I have to win. That's not really how the real world works. You know, it's not that football where you have to be 12 and 0 to win the national championship. You can be 6 and 4 or adjust what you really think well. a win is. Right. Like for I ask salespeople all the time, I go, "What's a win? What's a great, you know, meeting? What's what does that look like as a great meeting?" Go, oh, if they have a budget or if I meeting with the decision maker, I go, "What happens if you meet somebody you like really dig, man? You have like you know, you really hit it off with them. Is that a good meeting?" 
and they're like stunned because they got to they got to go um, they got to go back to their boss and go I didn't make the sale and so that's the counterculture of where management and sales is saying go make the sale go close go get their money when the guys who are building relationships at scale are the ones who are winning look look at baseball Yep. Somebody hits three out of every 10 times at bat. They're in the Hall of Fame making you know, $25 million a year. Great. Salespeople that hit three out of every 10, Hall of Fame by far. It's a numbers game. So if you just go about it and say, if you meet good people, you make great relationships, you build a pipeline of all that kind of stuff, there's no doubt that something good will happen. There'll be a piece of business that I can land for you in, in, uh, in Gainesville. There's somebody else I know. There's somebody you'll know. We'll be speaking at a conference together. There's there's just no doubt, but people are not willing to invest in the time and energy it takes to do that because they have a credit card and they want it now. Yeah, and, the, and they're not now. willing to wake up early enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guess what, dude? I'm calling you every day. <laughs> it starts, it starts. Uh, 2020. It. Uh, it's coming, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, are you up? Is the passion enough to sustain you or is there something you have to do to recharge your batteries? That's an absolutely awesome question. So I am legitimately passionate about what I do, but I burn out all the time. And so you have to have hobbies. You have to have things that uh, take you out of your normal day to day. I like to eat. I like to drink and I like to travel. So, you know, going places and I've been able to wrap that into my business life. So like people say, God, man, you're always on the road. I don't look at it as God, I'm always on the road. I'm like, wow, man, I'm always on the road. I'm in another city. You know, I'm having dinner Thursday night. This coming Thursday night in Dallas. I'm super pumped about it. We'll go, we'll have dinner. We'll go to a stars game or a Maverick game, you know, Friday, something else. So at, I'm going to be 60 years old. I love that. I don't ever look at it as like, oh God, man, you have to travel all the time. So it's perspective. You know, it's how you look at what you do and what you get to do. And then sometimes it's okay. Like you say, like, you know, you get tired. There are days I take a nap in the afternoon. You know, and when I had my agency, they, one of the ideas that came up was, hey, we need to build a napatorium. And I was like, okay, I give up. What's a napatorium? You know, right? And they, we want a room where we can just go to sleep and lay down and chill and close our eyes and listen to some music. And you know what? I just visited the corporate offices for Orange Theory. They're the fastest growing, most successful uh, franchise organization in the world. And in their corporate office, they have a napatorium. They have a place with pods and, you know, you can go down. They mandatory uh, have a, a massage, a masseuse on site that mandatory once a month you have to get a massage. So long answer, but, you know, there are things that you need to do for yourself that if you pay attention, I nap in the afternoon. I can sleep for 15 minutes and it recharges me. It's what we did when we were kids. Hey, in the afternoon, take a 15 minute nap. There's nothing wrong with that. Someone told us it was wrong. And so you have a negative connotation from it. But if I take a 15 minute nap, I'm recharged and ready to go. And, uh, you know, so I think it's, you know, sort of figuring out what works for you and, you know, real downtime. I realized I'm a beach guy. I like to work out and run on the beach. The sound of the waves, all of that stuff works for me. So I find when I want to stop, I just go to the water and the water itself is soothing. soothing and I talked right. about that rhythm. So it's all there if you're willing to pay attention. And this is the biggest challenge for everybody is if you listen to everybody else, you'll never get what you want. And if you figure out what you want and you go do it, 
it's not that difficult. Just can't live by somebody else's rules, which is what's happening to 21 year old. 21 year olds are graduating. I sent you to school. I did this. I did this. And now I'm cutting you off. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? I'm, you know, what's wrong with like, you know, so he just laid out his game plan for us about what his plan is over the next five years. And it sounds great. And it's not about making a paycheck. It's about becoming a better person, about fulfilling. And at 25, he'll be much better educated to make a decision what the rest of his life looks like, I think, than pushing him into something now. So, you know, it's- You have, uh, to, you have to listen to yourself. Like you have to. Like I loved coaching. Like I loved leading young men. I loved being a mentor to them. I loved coaching. I did not love pretty much anywhere that I lived when I was coaching. I did not love the amount of time I had to spend away from my family. Um, and so I did it for 10 years and I was just done. Like I, I had to listen to myself. I had to say, I could continue to grind and push and do this and do it for another 10 years to hopefully become a head coach one day. Or I can say, you know what? I've accomplished a lot. I know I could be a head coach if I wanted to be. I don't know that I really want to anymore. So I tried something new. It I takes a lot in. of guts. Takes I called him and guts. I said, hey, uh, I think I'm out. I think I'm done. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, you know, and he's like, I love it. Come home right now. <laughs> yeah, I, got people, I got a thousand people I want to introduce you to. We'll find something for you. We'll figure it out. <laughs> next. You know, so uh, when people hear no, they're like shut down. No is next opportunity. Let's go. Let's see what's coming next, man. That's invigorating. You know, don't hang on to the past. There's a lot of people who would have stayed where he, you know, in that position and been miserable forever. The support group around them would be, well, you've invested 10 years. You can't quit now. Are you, you know, well, what's not going to get better? You hate it. I mean, there, there were guys, like when I decided to get out there, I got a lot of text messages and phone calls. Like, really? Like you're, nobody you're, does you're leaving? <laughs> like, what, what, you're, you're going to come back next year. Right. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and now, you know, eight, I'm eight months in December 1st is eight months in, into working for ESPN and West Palm. And I'm so happy that like I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I was ever really happy. Like I, I know I loved coaching the kids, mm -hmm. but I don't know that I was ever really happy in everything else that was going on. So to feel this way and to feel excited, I think passion takes you so far, but you gotta listen to yourself. Gotta you listen. have to listen to yourself and you have to figure out how to make yourself happy. If that's working from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. so that, you know, whatever, you can sleep in in the mornings and then do that, you know? But like, I think you have to find what works for you and then go chase it with every ounce of energy. Love it. We, we took a vacation in Costa Rica last year and it's fascinating how many Americans live in Costa Rica now who have given up corporate life to go there and teach scuba diving or go, you know, boating or any of the, the recreational things that are available down there. They've given it up for a different lifestyle. Pura Vida, man, I want a good life, you know? So it's not about money. We were told to chase the money and that's such, very few people do. I know that, you know, are, you know, oh my God, it's all about money and, and really happy because there's so many other things. And that's why I said, so if you listen, your body's telling you, your mind is telling you, just don't listen to everybody else because nobody knows better than you. Yeah. So this has been awesome. 
I wish we could go on all day, actually. Really dive into like your stories and that kind of stuff. I mean, we just we just we'll win. be back. We'll and, come yeah, back yeah, like which is fantastic. Time, yeah, so. But uh, so but I do want to ask I'm going to ask like a couple like quick, quick Good. Yeah. answer yeah. questions. OK, Good. Um, no such thing with us. But. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. We'll, we'll, give, Good luck it, we'll give it our give it our shot as we wrap this up. Uh, so we'll start. We'll start with Mark. OK. What's, what's your favorite of the 27 rules? Mm. Oh, drink something green. Okay. <laughs> that one has stuck with me for forever. I really believe in it. Um, I, drink That's something a really green. good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jake. Make your bed. 100%. Make your bed. Start your day. Right. And coming home to a clean bed, there's nothing Great better. one. There's wow. nothing better. Okay. So, wow. Great one. Hold on. Pause. All right. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to come back to that one. Okay. Uh, for me, it's the three best words in sales. You know, so simply visit, fit, value. Um, most people talk about meetings and appointments. Nobody wants to go on meetings and appointments, appointments for doctors and attorneys. Uh, you know, if you visit with people regularly and have that as part of your daily diet, really good things happen. So uh, I love that. And that's something really actionable that people can take from the book. And the next conversation they have is, hey, Colin, when can you and I visit and the world changes? Okay, awesome, love it. So, real quick on this, uh, make your bed. <laughs> All right, so I know you travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're at a hotel, if you're at a hotel, are you making your bed or do you let them make your bed? So that's an unbelievable question. Not only, <laughs> yes, not only. I did it. I took 87 episodes. I asked the one unbelievable question. Uh, not only, I don't actually make the bed, but I pull the covers up and I sort of clean it up and then I leave a tip for the uh, unknown person that's cleaning the room. Okay. I was very curious because I'm like, ah, oh, this is one of the so rules. So it's, it's a part. He's it's it's a basically about clutter. So I don't want to leave the room. Uh, no. So for me, it's about getting dressed and getting set. And so everything that's happening in the morning, when I get up, pull the covers up, make it somewhat clean, lay out my day, boom, boom, boom. So the the if the bed's not, you know, clean, it's too cluttered for me. I can't focus. He's also a neat freak. And he passed that on to me. So oh, that's good. <laughs> it works. We, we we don't do well with clutter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. A lot of people could get overwhelmed by 27 rules, right? Like, not everybody, but a okay. lot of people could, right? So if there was a one rule, like here we are starting 2020, if you had to pick, like I know what your favorite rule is, but if there was one rule you're like, all right, like this is the one you should start with, what would the rule be? Oh, Tell know. me something good. Tell me something yeah, good. No Tell me something good. I think, not to like hop on the Gary V train or anything, but like he's really pushing happiness right now and, and good, and I think it's so easy to be negative and and to bring people down. If we just if you tell somebody something good every day, it's going to make everybody happier and it's going to be a better place. So I think tell me something good for That's sure. That's the number one rule accepted by CEOs because I do these meetings around the country where they're either CEOs, um, Vistage, or mm -hmm. CEO councils and stuff like that, and that gets voted as the number one rule because it's culture change. Instead of saying, how are you? You say, ask somebody, tell me something good. They're usually stunned because they're not thinking about anything good. 
whatever they tell you about you made them feel good and if you make people feel good they want you around all the time I'm picturing like every time somebody walks in the door to tell give me bad tell news me yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Through, so tell you what like, hey whoa, 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 stop <laughs> tell me something good before you go I love it I love it I love it you call my voicemail my voicemail says hey it's Steve tell me something good now there's people who call with bad news and they'll go well I got good news I got bad news so it's great I'm gonna start with the good news <laughs> and then the bad news is you're fired. <laughs> so, Jake, what's yours, man? Uh, making a habit to smile. I, Make, okay. I think a lot of people are miserable in the world right now and don't do a well enough job of trying to be happy or even give it an effort. So, I think an underrated one is making a habit to smile. That's people are drawn to people who are smiling and happy. And uh, one of the rules I have for people who do a lot of phone work is they have to work in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. And so there, things that you watch yourself, body language, posture, all of that, if you're in front of the phone, you will not do things that, you know, like leaning back and all of the things that you, your you know, tendency to do, you wouldn't do if somebody was right in front of you. And so um, that's, you know, the habit, uh, the smile habit is if I smile at you, uh, it's contagious. You'll yeah, smile right it back. Is, you're right. So it really does work. He's smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what you got? Any, oh, any last things? I, I was actually interested in what's the hardest. What's the hardest rule to to keep up with? Ooh, like, what, what is the one that one you're too. just like, man? Like, I I know this one's important, but it's so hard for me to do. For me, it's wake up early. Yeah, I yeah. told you, like, I, I there's not a day that goes by that I get up to go to the gym that I'm like, yes, I'm waking up. Like, <laughs> right. It, I, I, it's, it's hard, but that's a thing that I think is important to me. So I discipline myself to do it, but it's hard. For me, it's hard. Uh, we're similar in that way. <laughs> How about you? Is there one? I, I mean, struggle? I think I think they're all hard in their own way. And for me, what it is is a scorecard that when things are not going the way I want, I can pinpoint. Uh, you know what? I haven't really been smiling, or I got away from drinking something green, or so. It's a roadmap that says, "All right, if I go back to the basics." Here's my basics. So there, it's hard to keep them all up. And it's, I don't look at it as like every day I check the box that I did it. It's a mindset that is based on outcomes. If I don't get the outcomes, I can look at the inputs. And so, you know, that's, that's really what it is for me. So it, it's just discipline on everything you do, everything. You, I know if I drink something green first, I feel better. But, you know, I'm prone to go have breakfast with somebody. Oh, you're in town and they make the greatest waffle. Well, you don't feel good after you eat <laughs> so it's just mindset. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay. I know. Uh, real quick, uh, we we do have to end. <laughs> so, but um, you, uh, this focus on gratitude and this focus on you know showing up the, you, you know showing up like a hundred percent like every single time, right? And I think even in the book you brought up like a fact, uh, talk a story about like a ballerina or something. How mm-hmm. she was like, I have like. It's somebody's opening night. opening night. Yeah, man. Somebody's seen me for the first time, right. and like I think it takes all, it, it. It can be super difficult to have that mindset all the time, right? And and I even think like some of the times where I have to get on stage, or I'm thinking like if you have to get on stage and speak, like if you just had a terrible night the night before, or you're waking up maybe not feeling a hundred percent, maybe like maybe you're sick, maybe you got a migraine, like I mean maybe the University of Florida lost. (laughs) Maybe they won. Maybe you celebrated too much. Yeah, maybe you celebrated too much because they won. Uh, You know, like, 
in those few instances, like, what, do you have any tips or anything that you can do to like really like refocus, get on stage, like, let me do this, like, so, let me show up? Because I got to think it's even prevalent even in coaching, right? For like, sure. I mean, you got to snap Dude, out of it. As you're, a, taking, as, you're taking the field. Like, let's go. As a special teams coordinator on a Wednesday on week ten of the season, when you got that special teams meeting for fifteen minutes, I can't flub that I can't just foo-foo that I got to get up there I got to be fast I got to be full energy I got to be organized to, to, to deliver the message so that we can get what we need to get done that day so well I, I think the most important part is you made all the focus on you I make the focus on them 100 and how I need to be for them and that's uh, a paradigm shift in life is that you know, would it be okay if I got on this show and I say, wow, man, I'm really hungover from last night and I'm not, you know, it's just about you, man. I, I promised you I'd be here and I talk about it in the book that, and this was a Michael Jordan thing, if you get up every morning and you look in the mirror and you say on a scale of one to 10, where am I? You might be a five. Learning how to go from a five to a 10 is personal thing. Some people read, some people, uh, you know, do exercise, some people have coffee, some people yoga, meditate, you know, whatever it is that you do. Michael Jordan was an unbelievable professional perfectionist at this. He would go from a five to a 10. He'd learn how to do that because he said it was physically impossible to be a 10 all the time. You'd burn out. So the trick is figuring out when you're not a 10, what do I need to do to do that? And when you do that, like for me, one of the things is music. I have certain music that when I put it on and everybody really reacts well to that one because everybody has a favorite song. They just don't know when to use it. If you put on your favorite song, all of a sudden you're grooving and moving and it's changing you and all of a sudden you forgot that you're a five. You go, I got this thing, you know? So what's, your, what's your hype song real quick? Um, so I'm a big uh, Motown fan. So I'll listen to Marvin Gaye. I'll listen to, you know, uh, the Jackson Five, all of that, uh, the Aretha Franklin, you know, Respect is a good one for me. But even some, you know, uh, ACD, DC, thunder. <laughs> I've come out on stage to that and I'm lit up like a Christmas tree. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This guy is going to implode on stage. <laughs> so, Jake, what about you? Any like forgetting that mindset, getting ready to go? We got to show up. Well, a saying that we use in football, or I've heard a couple times, you have to be good enough to win on your worst day. You know, wow. and you're not, you're never going to show up the same every week is different, especially in college football where you're dealing with 18, 19 year olds, 20 year olds who are dealing with finals. They still go out. They still have friends. They don't sleep at night. So you're, it's interesting. It's different with college kids. So in order for them to be good, you really have to instill them every day on a Wednesday. They just had a test before. Now they have three hours of meetings. Getting them hyped up to believe that they need to do it and continue to do it is hard. So it's really understanding the person, you know, but like they said, it's, it's your mentality. When you bring the juice every day, they bring it for you. It's that accountability thing that goes both ways. You have to be accountable to them, and they're accountable to you. And when you build that trust with Amen, them, brother. they continue to bring it for you. And as long as you do it for them, they will continue to do it for you. It's awesome. I'm it's a really pretty stuff. proud dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had Steven Sons on the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking have you guys ever done a podcast says. together? Is this the first so they've one? done What's my podcast <laughs> together, <laughs> but I don't think we've done anybody else's podcast no. together. No. 
So we were the first. Nicely done. And we'll not be the We are coming back. You guys got to let us know. The world tour is starting. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming. Really thank you for having us. Thanks for making the time for us on a Sunday. Not a bad way to spend a Sunday. Here's an interesting little tidbit is that for the early part of my career, people used to pay me to shut up. Now they pay me to talk. Look at this, man. How does that shift happen? When people ask him what he does, he goes, I speak. When people ask me for my opinion, I'm like, oh, you actually wanted a... That's great. So for our audience, where can they find you, connect with you, social media, that kind of stuff? So everything is Noodleberg, N-U-D-E-L-B-E-R-G. So it's noodleberg.com for me. And then from me, it would be hard to miss me on social media. You can find Jake and, and Mark, M-A-R-C. So we're very visible. I think it's one of the real keys to being successful in this life is to be visible. Build your own audience, give them value. And so I'm out there providing real value every day outside of the book, real time stuff of how to think and you know things that happen to me. So I love the feedback that I get from what I put out there. People go, wow, man, you put so much out there. And I go, yeah, but, and the, you know, the, but what about likes and con- you know all that other stuff? I go listen. If the right person hears the message at the right time, I did my job. That's yeah. what I'm here to do. So I don't really care about the rest of the stuff. So anybody who's listening to this, uh, feel free to reach out. I do it all myself. I mean, I have a team of people, but I respond to all the uh, social media stuff. I'm the one engaged in it. I don't believe there's a way to to you know fake that. It has to be genuinely you. So if someone has a question, I answer it. And they're like, wow, you really answer? And I go, yeah, you're authentic being me. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. And for our audience, please like go check out Confessions of a Serial Salesman, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders That Will Change Your Life and Business. I think it's a great way to start 2020. And you just heard us talk about several of the rules right here. Um, Anybody f- that mentions your show um, and contacts me on social media, I'll give them a special deal and I'll send them a hardcover signed oh, copy. Fantastic. Oh, dude, what? That's awesome. Yeah. Hi. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Hey, podcast family, everybody, thank you so much for listening and for supporting this podcast. Leave us a review and have a fantastic start to 2020. We are excited about season three in the year ahead. You guys, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. We will see you later, you guys. This is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals and authors and speakers and coaches and everybody else that make you go, whoa. Whoa. You guys, give us your best whoa. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We will see you later. Bye.